All right. Well, if you were here this past Sunday, we took a little test, actually, about some of the real facts of Christmas, and this video addresses some of those. And this, uh, this afternoon, we're going to look at the construction of Christmas, but we want to do that by seeing the narrative of the redemption story by God Almighty throughout the whole entire Scripture. Uh, the Bible tells us in Titus chapter 1, verse 2, matter of fact, it says this. It says, a faith and a knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God does not lie, promise before the beginning of time. That there was a hope of eternal life before the beginning of time that was established by God Almighty himself. You know, there's a popular movie out right now. I haven't actually seen it, but a movie called 2012, which is uh, based on, so, so to speak, very loosely on the Mayan calendar that in 2012, basically, uh, the world kind of deconstructs and then will reconstruct itself. So uh, it's whole, all kind of a gloom and doom on how everything's going to end, kind of an apocalyptic uh, movie. Of course, we don't put any real value into it. It's just an entertainment piece. But it's kind of a reconstruction slash deconstruction of the world itself. And really, that's kind of what we've done almost to Christmas, almost to the story of Christ. Uh, when the media and when everybody else kind of gets their traditions in, and I'm not saying that traditions are all bad, but sometimes we miss the real message of Christmas, the real construction of Christmas. So this morning, or this afternoon, I want us to just kind of walk through the Bible very briefly and kind of see the story that has been given to us by God Almighty, starting with creation. As God, the Bible tells us in the beginning, created. He created. And there have always been two roads or two choices that mankind can choose from. Uh, the first one is God's way. The second one is his own way. And we see right, right away in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, we see this. We see God gives an exhortation. Matter of fact, in Genesis 2, 9, I'll briefly read this to you. And the, Lord made, and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there, were the tree, there was the tree of life and the tree and the, of the knowledge of good and evil. And then we skip down. Uh, to verse 16, and the Lord commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So we see that right there after God had created mankind, he gave them a choice. He established two trees in the center of the garden. There was a tree of life, and they could eat from that tree, and they can enjoy and uh, just basically uh, just embrace life itself and eat from that tree as they would, and every other tree. But he said, there's one tree here in the garden that I want you to shy away from, I want you to stay away from, and it's the tree of knowledge that basically reveals good and evil. Up that point, it was just good. It was just good itself. But we know that the next phase of the Bible occurs because in chapter 3, temptation comes to man through Satan. And Satan tempts Adam and Eve to partake of the one thing they were not supposed to partake of, the one thing that was forbidden from them. And so, sure enough, they eat of that fruit. And then we know the rest of the story, how from that point on, uh, they are outcasts from the garden. They are removed from that tree of life, that, life, that tree that was to give them fullness, hope, 
and joy. They're removed from that tree and they're removed from that garden and they are forced to toil and to till the soil from that day forward. From then we progress and we move on and we see the story of Noah and Noah, how during his day all become unrighteous except for Noah. Noah is a righteous man, loves God, trusts God. And so God reenacts another covenant, just as a covenant that he had probably establishes with Adam, as we have reference to in Hosea chapter 6. He establishes another covenant with Noah. If you will be faithful and you will love me, I want to give you an opportunity to which I will uh, give you my blessing and continue life. And so we know through Noah's salvation of his family, life continues. And then we come to Abraham. Yet another patriarch, yet another whom God calls out and says, I want you to come and I want you to follow my directions and I'm going to give you a land and I'm going to bless all nations, all mankind through you and through your seed. And so, in fact, that's what Abraham does. He blesses him and God blesses Abraham. And we see the development of the Israel nation, the Jewish nation. And then the Exodus after They had gone to Egypt and had suffered for 400 years. God delivered them out of Egypt and out of bondage. But some would not trust. Some would not believe. And so what occurs? They end up wandering through the desert for 40 years. But then after 40 years, they are given uh, the opportunity to go in and possess their land. Israel's conquest of the land of which God had promised them. And then they established judges to rule them. On one side, we see the righteous judge Samuel, the godly judge, the judge who sought the heart of God. But then they had judges like Samson on the other side, who simply lived to satisfy his desires and his flesh. And so mankind continues to always have two choices in life. And then we see David's life, a man who you see both sides. You see him With all his heart, loving and trusting God, but you also see him falling away and sinning greatly. But God uses him. And then the prophets, proclamations, as the prophets who are basically God's lawyers, lawyers for the covenant that he had established with the nation of Israel, that if they would be faithful to him, then they would be his people and he would bless them. But they had become so unfaithful. So the 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 um. The prophets began to speak forth the word and tell what will occur if the nation does not repent. And, of course, they do not listen. And this leads to the division of the nation, a divided nation. We all of a sudden then have Israel and Judah. And the promise is given through Judah. And then comes the first advent. The first advent simply means this, the first appearing of Christ. When Christ comes and Christ comes into the world and the Bible tells us in Luke chapter two that he was born and placed in a manger. We saw the tree of life earlier. Now this tree is being converted into the most humble means possible, a feeding trough. And this is where the son of God, God himself in the flesh will be placed into this manger. That's what the tree has become. And little did people understand, even at that time, the ramifications that it would have. We see those who come to worship him, and we see those who desire to kill him. Even today, it continue, we continue to see division over how things are dated. But do you know of another figure where the dating system surrounds their birth? 
even if you take the before common era or before Christ, however you want to qualify it today, the fact remains Jesus made an impact in the world when he came. And it didn't stop there, for he continued because he preached his message of grace and repentance. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Salvation is through me, which leads us to the next tree, the cross. The cross, which was God's way of allowing man to enter into relationship with him by being completely forgiven. No longer would in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, when the sacrificial system of animals was required, now the Son of God has taken the sins of the world upon Him and have been, they have been placed upon Him once and for all. Just like the two thieves, we must make a choice. One thief said, well, if He's so great, why didn't He save Himself? I can't imagine that's the Savior that I would want to follow. And he mocked him and he rejected him. But the other thief said, surely this man is good and surely there's something about him. Uh, As a matter of fact, he says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus promises him that that day he will be with him in paradise. But it doesn't stop there because after he is... Uh, crucified, after he died, after he is placed in the grave, three days later, he rises. The Bible tells us he is resurrected. The resurrection, we see that theme in throughout the Scripture. The resurrection that conquers the power of sin and death. And then after that, we see, uh, just a couple years later, we see the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as it falls upon mankind, as it falls upon the disciples. And the Spirit of God so comes upon those that we, they see thousands saved. And literally, the landscape and the face of history and of that generation is completely changed as Christianity explodes on the scene over the next 300 years and impacts civilization forever. We see Paul, a man who was hell-bent on exterminating Christianity. But what occurs? He meets Jesus Christ. God Almighty speaks to him, and his life is transformed, and he writes the majority of the letters in the New Testament. And we live today in a world that is in decline. We should not be surprised that sin uh, continues to impact our world, impact our culture. It is foretold in Scripture until the second advent. The next time when Jesus will return and he will come for all those who have chosen him, who have gone through the cross so that they might experience again the life that he intended. The tree of life, the Bible tells us in the book of Revelation chapter 22, reestablished for all who know him and have entered in and might possess and be a part of the new heavens and the new earth, the new world, the new life that God himself has created for all who trust him as Savior. That's where Christmas comes from, the story of Christmas that Jesus came in the flesh to save mankind from their sins. You know, in 1903, uh, there was was just a little telegraph that went out from Kitty Hawk, and it read like this, and it was the Wright brothers sending a message back to their sister. We've flown 120 feet. Tell everyone the flying machine works. We'll be home before Christmas. 
she took that message and she took it to her local news editor in their small town and she showed it to him and said, look at this. He goes, oh, that's fantastic. I'll publish it in tomorrow's news. Next day, the newspaper comes out and it reads, Wright Brothers will be home for Christmas. The man missed the whole point. Flight had just occurred. Um, the miracle of flight had just begun. And all he saw was that the Wright brothers are coming home for Christmas. Hey, if all we see, guys, is Santa Claus and commercialism, we've missed the main point. We've missed the construction of Christmas. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let us worship him. Let us come to know him if you never have. Today, he invites you through the power of the cross to know him and to know his salvation. Have you received it? We invite you to do so this day. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for this special day that we celebrate the birth of our Savior, Lord, as we come this evening on Christmas Eve to anticipate Lord, this time of celebration, this time of thanksgiving. Lord, let us not forget the main purpose of Christmas, which is Jesus, Him coming to earth so that we might know Him and know forgiveness of sins and know salvation. We thank You for this time. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.